The grace and peace of Christ be with you. Let's turn and greet one another. Welcome you early birds to Laguna Presbyterian Church. Good job setting your clocks. That was very nice. Um, I don't think I see any visitors because they didn't set their clocks. But it, we're so glad that you're here today. And please do pass the welcome pad, the uh, friendship pad, and sign in if you don't mind. We'd love to have to know who's here today. As you go out this morning, you will find something uh, at each one of the exits. It is a carabiner. Um, and that's what we're using to remind ourselves throughout Lent that we are bound to be free and free to be bound in Christ. So take a carabiner, and there's also a copy of Traveling Light, which is the book by Eugene Peterson that we're using to guide us through the Lenten time and guiding our sermons and also the small groups as we study the book of Galatians. You're welcome to have a copy of that if you would like. We have permission to copy that. There are blood pressure checks from our nurses at the end of this service over in the prayer room, which you'll find right by the elevator over there. And Wednesday, our longtime member at age 98, Betty Lacey, passed into the presence of the Lord. So there will be a service for Betty a week from tomorrow at 4 in the afternoon here, and you're welcome to come and celebrate that wonderful, gracious lady. We haven't seen her here for about three years because she hasn't been able to come to church, but... Uh, she, was, she, was, she loved this church, and we want to celebrate her life. If you are interested in being a person in the congregation who would be organized to go and visit people like Betty, who was a, a homebound for a number of years, uh, we are going to have an organizational meeting for that two weeks from today. It's not going to be during women's retreat, as it originally was, but two weeks from today, at the ten, at right after the 10 o'clock service. Leah Lynn from our office will be leading that and we'll be asking people who sign up to do that to visit probably one person or two people during each month. Uh, also, today is the first day that you can sign up to sponsor an Easter lily for Easter Sunday morning. That's going to be a cart out on the patio. If you signed up for the women's retreat, you should have received in the email something that looks a lot like this, if which tells you how to get there and some other details. If you did not receive that and you signed up for the retreat, you can find copies of this out on the cart on the patio also. I think that's all. Could it be? Let's pray. God of grace, you have given us minds to know you, hearts to love you, and voices to sing your praise. So fill us with your spirit that we may celebrate your glory and that we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Let us thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wonderful works to humankind. Let us give thanks and tell of God's wonderful works with songs of joy. Amen. Let us stand and worship the Lord together. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. 
psalmist declares, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. I It's mine. 
Let us pray. Gracious God, help us to use this season of Lent to examine those places where we are bound and to sense where you are inviting us to live more freely and more deeply. Shine the light of your love into the corners of our lives where our accumulated clutter threatens to choke out the life of grace which you give. Give us the desire and the courage to be freed from the appetites that drive us into wanting, taking, and having more than we need. Teach us how to let go in ways that make us free rather than deprived, generous rather than covetous, and spacious rather than restricted. So we offer you our Lenten observance, and today we place our feet on the road to Easter to walk the way that you have walked before us. Amen. Hear now the good news. Return to the Lord our God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Hear the good news. In Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
prayers. Lord, as we pray, This is the perfect sermon for daylight savings time. If it doesn't wake you up, then you are really dead. Galatians is the most volatile book in the Bible. It's not for the faint of heart. It is Paul upset. He is really, really fearful for the state of the church. He believes the Galatian people have trusted the wrong authority for their future. They've listened to the wrong gospel. They've really messed up. It's a good thing there's a blood pressure check after the service is over. Now let us listen to the early part of Paul's letter to the Galatians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now that sounds like the good old Apostle Paul we know. It starts getting a little more difficult now. I am astonished that you so quickly deserted the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or even an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. Now you'd think he'd said it, but he says it again. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, let that one be accursed. It's the Apostle Paul saying, 
tell those people to get the hell out of my church. Thank you very much. (laughs) So why is Paul so angry? Lent is a time where we say we are intentionally giving up and letting go of things that can so easily control us. To be released, to fast from, to be freed from fat, sugar, salt, alcohol, and on and on, things that are not good for us. Give them up for Lent. Well, you say, I'm a Protestant. I don't give up anything for Lent. Well, that may be part of the Protestant problem. We're not very good at giving things up. Maybe our Catholic friends are better at that. Lent is a time when we remember that Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, Moses spent 40 days on the mountain, and the children of God spent 40, days in the, 40 years in the wilderness. Times where they went out without the positive good stuff. They had to live on manna in the wilderness for 40 years. And the definition of manna is, what's this? Huh? It wasn't even a good casserole. (laughs) What Paul is saying, I believe, is as you return your rental car, don't back up because there'll be severe uh, tire damage. Because the Galatians have backed up and there's severe damage being done to the church. Why is it, Paul says, you're so easily falling back into old habits? that are destructive. You've been given an opportunity for freedom. Why are you choosing enslavement over freedom? Why have you so quickly refused the gospel of good news and embraced the gospel of bad news? Now, lest you think this is all about Jewish people and their Jewish tradition and how hard it is to give up, no, it's bigger than that. This is about every human being and how hard it is for us to give up stuff that feels comfortable to us. We Protestants have a hard time giving up stuff. Just like Catholics have a hard time giving up stuff and Muslims have a hard time giving up stuff and Buddhists and Hindus. We're human beings. We kind of like things the way they've always been before. And Jesus comes along and wants to change all that. Well, bad on Jesus. And you're saying to yourself, boy, he's really wound up today. I am. This is the one letter that Paul wrote where at the beginning he doesn't give any thanks for anything. If you look at every other letter, Paul says, I thank my God when I remember you. He doesn't say that to the Galatians. He's remembering them, and he's not thanking God for any of it. How would you like to get a letter? Well, so much for the thanks. No thanks. I'm not happy with you people. He's not thinking of positive things. He's thinking of things that are destroying his church. There is a deep urgency, there's an astonishment, an anguish, a volatility, an emotional hostility here that you would think Paul would have let go when he became a follower of Jesus. After all, that Paul used to be the angry young man who destroyed people with his anger. He used to breathe threats to the church. He used to intentionally go after them and throw them in prison and murder them. He was the one that was behind the murder of Stephen, the first martyr in the book of Acts. And Paul is saying, well, if you're going to go back to your controlling, demanding, abusive ways, then I guess I'm going to go back to my old ways of anger. But he has a righteous reason for doing so. 
Not that he wants to destroy anybody, but because he wants to make sure it's a wake-up call. When do you get really angry and not want to hurt people? Because you are deeply concerned that your children are making a huge mistake. Or your friend is going off the deep end. And you're upset. And that's Paul here. He starts out by saying, Our Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins and set us free from this present evil age. He is saying that the Galatians have chosen not to be free from the present evil age. They've gone back to engage the present evil age. You've turned your back on Jesus. Well, they would be saying, no, no, we haven't turned our back on Jesus. We've just taken on a few extra things. We still love Jesus, but, you know, circumcision is still pretty important. Church membership is still pretty important. The way we do Presbyterian life is still pretty important. And Paul's saying, not if it sacrifices Jesus. Because Paul himself understands what it means to be a person who gives up everything to persecute people, to beat people up. Jesus had to stop him on the way to Damascus on the road to killing another group of Christians. And Jesus stops him in his tracks and says, Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you beating up my people? Jesus doesn't like it when his people get beat up and confused and abused. Paul doesn't like it. None of us like it when our friends and our family become confused and abused by some other authority who is leading them in the wrong direction. Paul says that, you know, I got the word that I'm saying to you directly from Jesus. I didn't even get it from another apostle. I didn't go to James. I didn't go to Peter. I didn't go to Jerusalem to get that gospel. I got it because Jesus told me directly, face to face, in a supernatural, apocalyptic event, what he calls revelation. And he's saying, don't argue with me. I appeal to the highest possible authority. Nobody else has got more clout than I do. Otto's right. (laughs) Beware, by the way, when your pastor says that. Mm, Jesus has got higher authority. There are many words for freedom in the letter to the Galatians. It is a letter that's loaded with different aspects of calling people to freedom. And this very first one in Galatians 1, verse 4, I love the metaphor of it. It is meaning to pluck out one's unwanted hair. Anybody here ever pluck out one of your unwanted hairs? Daily, he says. We're not going to talk about it. You might be grossed out by that. But that's literally what it means. It's the kind of freedom that plucks out unwanted hairs. It's a hairless freedom to rip out to root out, to intensely, under pain, remove something that you don't want to have there. I grew up in the Pentecostal tradition, and I thought some of those Pentecostals were crazy. And they were doing stuff like this. They were plucking out unwanted hairs. They were saying, away from you, you damned demon. We Presbyterians are nice people. We don't talk like that. We want to get people away from abuse and addiction, from post-traumatic stress syndrome. We want people to be delivered in a nice way. (laughs) Do you know, some people just can't be delivered in a nice way. Sometimes you just have to go out and pluck out that hair. That's why the Pentecostals do have a place in the world. We're too nice as Presbyterians. The Apostle Paul was becoming a Pentecostal here. 
You know, Jesus had similar things to say to the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests. Woe to you, you sneaky people. Probably used a different term at that point. You manipulative, controlling, enslaving, conspiratorial people. You leaders who manipulate and enslave people. Woe to you. He was talking to the pastors of his day. Always a wake-up call for us. We can easily become enslaved to things that we are totally surprised by. In fact, every cultural thing that we live into can be a point of enslavement that Jesus wants to liberate us from. For example, we're so free, as, we're so proud as Americans of our rugged individualism. But you know, sometimes to be an individual, to be over and against other people, to be determined that I deserve what they have and I'm going to take it is not a good thing. This past week, and one of the reasons I'm a little wound up is because I spent the week teaching Korean pastors processes of following Jesus and discipleship. And I have been teaching Korean pastors on and off for over 30 years. And almost every year a Korean pastor would come to me and say, you know, I have a problem. The elders of the church. They try to control my life and I don't have any freedom. Now, this is not a statement about our elders in our church. This is a statement about the pattern that Korean pastors experience of high-control elders that basically use intimidation, strong-arm tactics to say, unless you do what we want you to do, pastor, we're firing you and hiring somebody else. You say, well, why does that happen? Because the ghost of Confucius still haunts every Korean pastor, every Korean culture. And what did Confucius teach the Asian people? You must respect your elders, even if they're wrong. Women, you must respect the men, even if they're wrong. Children, you must respect the parents, even if they're wrong. And so the pastors come to me and say, I can't change. My, I'm, I'm enslaved by my elders because they won't allow me to do what I'm called to do. So whereas Americans might be enslaved to individualism, Asian pastors are enslaved to Confucianism. The Apostle Paul would be saying to the elders of those churches, back off. Jesus is the only authority you should listen to. Get rid of Confucius. What authorities do you listen to besides Jesus? Do you listen to political authorities that are higher value to you than Jesus? Back off. Do you listen to voices of religious expertise that are higher authorities than Jesus? Back down. Be careful who you listen to. Even subconsciously. Many of us are still listening to the voice of our parents who are now dead and gone. And they're still haunting our lives as if they're still alive and well in us. I still have to deal with the pattern of my dad with my daughters and my wife who will tell me and remind me, that's your dad showing up. Okay. Okay. You know, when they tell me that, it's when they become stubborn and I refuse to admit when I'm wrong. That's your dad. That's the ghost of dad past. I listen to the wrong voice. Not too long ago, I had a conversation with a pastor who is a woman in a church. And this is not just this one pastor who is a woman, but many pastors who are women who feel like the men pastors in their lives try to manipulate, control them, intimidate, and use them for the wrong purposes. The senior pastor in her particular case was spying on her, sending people out as quiet terrorists to see if she was doing something wrong. You would think that's not unusual, but i got to tell you, it's more practiced than you think. 
Just ask Kathy. I've been sending spies to watch over her for years. (laughs) The purpose of the church is to free people up, not to put them back into slavery. We're only as free as our primary leaders teach us to be free. And what happened to the Galatian church is after Paul left, they started listening to leaders that wanted to control their lives again. We have freedom from controlling people, from manipulative bosses, seductive friends, enslaving systems, oppressive patterns, addiction, abuse, PTSD, and intimidating leaders. We're supposed to see freedom in Jesus, but we still have a lot of slavery quietly going on in our lives. Now here's the good news. Over and over again in Galatians, and as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper, Jesus invites us to a gospel of freedom where we don't have to be enslaved by other things. And Jesus himself keeps saying that to us, even when we're struggling with the manipulative people in our lives. And so we need to do everything we can to live into the view of the Apostle Paul here. And maybe we need to get upset and angry and sometimes say, get the hell out of here to a piece of people that are trying to control us or abuse us. And Paul doesn't just say it once, he says it twice. He says, in case you hadn't heard me, get the hell out of there. Boy, I've been wanting to say that for years. Not because I want to be hurtful, but because we got to wake up. We are living in a world, we are living in a country where people use the name of Jesus to control us. And we've got to say, hell no. Let's pray. O Lord, help us to be drawn to your love. Help us have the courage to say no to those things that would hold us captive. Help us to know the difference in which authority to trust, for you are the authority that you call us to trust. You are Jesus the Christ. And if we listen to you, we will walk in the way of freedom. Help us not to replace you with some other lesser authority. Through Christ we pray. Amen. This morning we affirm our faith in the most ancient creed of the church. Let us stand together and affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, which you'll find in your bulletin. together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again, He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as the ushers come forward to receive our offering.
Let us pray. Father, sovereign one of mercy and might, we thank you that you've blessed us with every spiritual blessing from the heavenly places. We rejoice this morning in the gift of life, which we have received by your forgiveness and grace and the new life you've given us through Christ. Bless now this offering and free us up as your people that the offerings we bring may enable us to continue to grow your mission, your ministry throughout our communities. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a wonderful table because this is the table where Jesus, at the very end of his life, invites the disciples to come and share all the freedom that he's made in his life by offering himself in death. So this is a table of freedom. Come and participate. It was the table where Jesus confronted the disciples and said, one of you are going to betray me. One of you are going to try to make me a prisoner again. It was around that time that Jesus confronted Peter and said, you're going to deny me. And they all deserted him. And so we come with a great hope that if we share the table of Jesus, we're being invited into deep, abiding, eternal freedom. May the Lord be with you. And, and also, also with, with you. you. Lift up your hearts. We lift, lift them, them up, up to, to the, the Lord. Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It, it is, is right, right to give, give our, our thanks, thanks and, and praise. praise. O Lord, we do give you thanks, for you are our God, and we are the creatures of your hand. You breathed into us the breath of life, and set us in your world to love and to serve you. When sin had scarred the world and we had turned away from you, you entered into covenant to renew the whole creation. You delivered us from slavery in Egypt. You fed us with manna in the wilderness. You sent your prophets to call us back to your ways. You sent your son to live amongst us. He shared our life in every way, and though tempted, was sinless to the end. In his death, he ransomed us from the dominion of sin and death, and in his resurrection, he opened the way to eternal life. So gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be for us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Lead us, O God, by the power of your Spirit to live as your love commands. As Jesus gave his life for ours, help us to live our lives for others with humility and persistent courage until the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, even as we pray together for the coming of that day, saying, Our Father, Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. And the power. And the glory forever. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body given for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. And in a similar way, Jesus took the cup at the end of the meal, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And the Apostle Paul reminded us that as often as we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we demonstrate, commit to demonstrate, the freeing death of Jesus. The ushers will bring us a row at a time down the center aisle. We ask that you take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup and return to your seats by the side aisle. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little you who have been here often, and you for whom you have not been here for a long time, or perhaps never at all, you who have tried to follow Jesus, 
and you who have lost your way. All is ready. Come.
last line together. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. And so it is, gracious God, that you do save us from the ugliness and the barrenness of life, and you fill us with beauty, the beauty of Jesus. So help us live into that as we walk with you today and the days to come, as we offer ourselves through Jesus Christ. Amen. If you or someone in your life needs prayer this morning, we invite you to come forward and to meet with our prayer ministers. They would love to pray with you and for you. My apologies to you today if you felt like I was beating up on you. I really don't want to do that. I may have been beating up on myself for anything I've done that traps people or controls them. So go in the grace, mercy, and love, and freedom of Jesus, and may that be the gospel that liberates you to love others. Amen.